0: It is hard to believe we have been having in-depth conversations about movies since 2011.
1: You are telling me. Producing this show week after week requires a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered.
0: Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links. Give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions.
1: Season 5 had some great adaptations, like our Meryl Streep Oscar-nominated performances series. We covered adaptations like Kramer vs. Kramer, Sophie's Choice, and The French Lieutenant's Woman.
0: It's a real Sophie's Choice between those books. (laughs) You
1: see what I I did there? Uh, Yeah. Uh, And I don't think it's quite at the level of a real Sophie's Choice.
0: We also did Snowpiercer for our Bong Joon-ho series, adapted from the French graphic novel Le Transpressionnage. Man, I love that movie.
1: We had our two-part 1939 series that included adaptations like Gone with the Wind, Ninotchka, The Women, and The Hound of the Baskervilles.
0: A number of those 1939 movies, like Goodbye Mr. Chips, also tied into our recent 1940 Academy Award Best Picture nominee series.
1: Our naughty children horror series had creepy adaptations like The Bad Seed, Village of the Damned, The Innocents, and Children of the Corn.
0: For our Hayao Miyazaki series, we talked about his take on Lupin III with The Castle of Cagliostro, plus his own The Wind Rises.
1: Some great listener choice picks, too. Viridiana and The Great Escape.
0: And for our David Mamet Wright series, The Verdict, The Untouchables, and Glengarry Glen Ross.
1: Plus, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from our Shane Black series adapted from Brett Halliday's novel, Bodies Are Where You Find Them.
0: Dive into the sources for all of these at thenextreel.com slash originals.
1: Every book you buy helps support the show. Check out thenextreel.com slash originals today and find your next read. I'm Pete Wright.
0: And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends
1: And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com.
0: So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Um, okay, so did you see the
1: store? I did. What do you think? It's beautiful. Can you see all the products? Did you see the products? Yeah. It's like everything that I could want and more. Really? Is that, is that overselling a little bit? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'll take that. I'll take it. Uh, this is this is my only bit of follow up. I think my only bit well, of follow up is that
1: it's alive. The story. I, wow. I will say. I will say. I'm awfully disappointed that there there's no underwear. <laughs> there there had been promise <laughs> of
0: underwear. I was told that uh, a, a gentleman does not uh <laughs> does not make a promise of underwear. Uh, and uh I, I should not have done that um because uh. it turns out uh that's not a product that we offer. <laughs> well, I guess maybe it is probably a, for the best. Maybe there'll be a special edition uh underwear <laughs> product. There is I I could activate the uh there is one I could activate the pencil skirt. If you want a pencil, there's a scarf you could get. A I giant don't... scarf, it's like six feet long
1: <laughs> and wide. Wow! Um, so you could get a scarf. That is a big scarf. It's a big scarf. It's like a square scarf. It's not like a neck scarf.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a square. It's a big. It's like more like a, I don't know. It's a scarf do you do hoodie,
1: that? a shoddy.
0: It's like a thing it's... you wrap it around like a babushka. If you want, <laughs>
1: they they need That's it. Ridiculous. What's that little thing that? Uh... Tina Fey wore on uh, 30 Rock, the, oh. the Snuggie.
0: Yeah, yeah, the Snuggie with the arms. We should get a... We, we need a we need our out next reel Snuggie.
1: Snuggie. <laughs> Everyone can wear their next real Snuggie while they watch <laughs> the movies each week. <laughs> That's a totally good idea. You know, you could do a
0: duvet cover. I don't know if you saw that. You could get up to a king-size duvet cover. <laughs> is that great? Uh,
1: my wife will love that.
0: Yes, I'm sure she'll be thrilled. Um, what, is, uh, what is the thing you're most excited about? Like is there a product that uh, the first thing you're going to order?
1: It's the iPhone case. I totally want the iPhone. Oh, case. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. No, I'm going to do that too. And the iPad case. I'm going to deck out my my and the laptop skin. I'm actually excited about that. I'm I a like big the I'm a big skin, skin guy. Just, yeah. I, so yeah. I always have a skin of some sort on my laptop. So, uh-huh. but I think Let's the see. thing I'm most excited about is the uh, the hardcover journal. You know, I'm a big uh-huh. mole scheme guy. Right and uh, and so having being able to get a next Reel cover you know hardcover journal really excites me.
1: One for each yeah. year. Uh, well, and I absolutely want one of those too because then I have a you know I mean I I have my little moleskin journals yeah. that I take all my notes in. And yes. how nice would it be to actually take my notes in a journal for the next reel? Yes,
0: yes. All uh, so all of these products are live. Uh, as of tonight as we are recording this on the website and you can go support the show uh and support the fantastic one more time fantastic art of uh, Joel Micah Harris deepest thanks for him for for drawing this year's uh this year's show art and so this will be up for the year I think i would just leave the
1: store up right what do yeah, you think yeah. we we'll just keep oh, pitching yeah absolutely it and the 2014 is still up there too right it's
0: not for long i think this is what i think i'm going to do this is the rhythm you know what they say in product marketing you've got a the product marketing yep. has got a it's got a rhythm it's got a beat and i think what we're going to do this is what we're going to stick to the current year is going to be active all year plus 1 month right so for people who who at the very end of the year who think oh man i totally missed it I forgot to get my next reel uh, homage. Nobody got it for
1: me for Christmas. Nobody
0: got it for me for Christmas. You can go buy it for yourself through the end of January of that following year. Sort of an n n plus 1 kind of a thing. And uh, and then it's going to go away forever. We're not going to offer it anymore. And so I actually I am going to turn on some of the same products for 20 for the 2014 art uh, oh, nice. because I Mugs want I want to journal. I want to journal with the film reel on it. The film can there you go. That was super cool. Me too. Yeah, so, absolutely. So that'll be available too. Um, and we'll post a link to that. On Follow us on Twitter for that. Um, we'll post a link to that particular gallery. So that'll be up until the end of January. And then we're taking it down, deleting it from the site forever and ever and ever. Uh, but we know most of, mostly you should be really excited about the current year stuff. There's some really good stuff on there. And uh, and uh, so there you go. The other thing that we have, we also have the uh, the poster. A limited right. edition poster. Uh, now the poster is offering uh, offering a couple. You can get a couple of different sizes. Fifteen by twenty three is the small. Up to twenty one by thirty three uh, for the the larger size, and uh, that should be uh, that is the full credits poster. It's the what I'm calling the uh, glorious homage poster. Oh yes. Uh, and I love it, and I know you're getting one. Oh yes. And I know I'm getting one. This is uh, printed on 185 GSM semi-gloss poster paper. Dang. Oh, yeah. I don't even yeah. know what that means, I but know. it sounds fancy. I know. 185 <laughs> GSM semi-gloss, Andy. That's how I like all of my one, all of my things. <laughs> one does not mess around <laughs> when you're printing on 185 GSM semi-gloss. And uh, so you can get that there. We've got a couple of other poster things. You can get some different wall art. You can also get greeting cards if you want, and a sticker. Now, I have been told uh, by authority, someone in authority, that the sticker, we should also have a sticker for the non-poster art. So I'm going to work on that. So that'll Uh. be joining the other gallery. But this one is... So you can get a sticker... Up to for a crazy size, like a like a nine inch. What is it? Nine by fourteen <laughs> inch sticker.
1: That's a big sticker. I
0: uh, for your refrigerator door, I guess that's where you <laughs> might put that. Um, so you can get stickers. Next real stickers. We encourage you to get a sticker, uh, if you want to celebrate the show, and I will. So in the next uh, little while, I'll put the other show version of the show art, uh, with the non credits, as a sticker, for those Perfect. who are into stickers. I'm, I'm told that there are a lot of people who are into stickers and that we're missing the boat. Are you into stickers?
1: Uh, no, but kids love them. I, so get I always some for your kids. Stickers, <laughs> I put stickers all
0: over my Moleskine journals. I, of course, will not be doing this with the next real journal. It will be pristine. There you go. But uh, I, I do stick up my journals. And so maybe that's what, I, although 9 by 14 is pretty big. 2, two by 4 two, That 26 by 4 that's what it is. Right. That's the right size. That's where it's at all right so that's that's live on the site i've got nothing literally i've got nothing else
1: nope i don't either
0: shall we tell the people where we're from
1: yeah where are we from
0: This is The Next Reel on Rashpixel.fm, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and that there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey. And we spoil movies. Tonight on the show, we're coming back around to a longtime friend of the show, David Mamet, this time looking at the films of Mamet as screenwriter. And we're kicking off with his 1982 Paul Newman courtroom drama, The Verdict. Before we get into that, you should learn more about us at thenextreel.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Real and... For all of you who've ever tried to turn a one into a nine just because you had a tough day, you should head over to The Next Reel's Instagram, hashtag PonyPrize,
1: hashtag Guess the movie Challenge. And with that, let's jet on over to Scotland to check in with Stephen Smart, since the lawyers are paying for us to get out of Dodge and avoid testifying. Hey guys,
0: this week's movie was now Voyager from 1942, directed by Irving Rapper and starring Betty Davis, Paul Heinrich, and Claude Rains. This week, At The Other Scotty nailed it on Image 3 and is the first to enter our 2016 Pony Prize hat. In a change to schedule this year, challenges will now start on
1: Monday. So thanks, guys, and uh, see you later.
0: And uh, we do have some follow-up. Uh, uh, I'm going to say it, predictable follow-up from the Blot Spot. Our dear friend Ben Lot writes in with his commentary on
1: Boogie Nights. Yeah, he was not a fan. We knew that going into this year. I think it was this the, the first and last films of the year, This and then Black Christmas, I think were two films he's not looking forward to. I better keep this short. Boogie Nights is a movie that is not for me. This gave me the same feeling I get when I watch a gangster movie. What I mean is, about 30 minutes in, I start to ask myself questions like, am I supposed to care about these people? Why would I ever want to spend two and a half hours in their world? You guys go ahead and enjoy it. I am not programmed right to find this entertaining. You're rank fifty six out of two seventeen, my rank two hundred fourteen out of two seventeen. Ouch Wow Wow, lead balloon. <laughs> yes indeed. I wonder how uh how old PTA fares in uh in Blot's opinion as far as his other films. Yeah, me too.
0: We'll wow, to, that's a tough one. You'll have to tell us, ben. I It is predictable, uh, that one. We knew that going in, and I. so I feel like we should say, you know, start with an apology for 2016. But just know that we're setting the bar low for you, Ben. Hopefully it's all up from here, and then way back down at
1: the very end. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but at least we know, I mean... Th- it, this movie got a lot of people excited over on yeah. Facebook. So That's actually uh, true. We did yeah.
0: get some good feedback on, on Facebook there. Are a lot of folks who are uh, uh, interested not just in this film, but in PTA, and um, it, it is a sign that, once again, we've broken things by throwing in just this teaser of a PTA film. we gotta do, We got to do a series. Yes. Good talk. <laughs> good talk, Andy. <laughs> uh... I think it's time, on that note, for us to do The trailers. Your trailer gave me a laugh, Andy.
1: Laser Team! (laughs) Maybe not one I should be proud of. No, I I still can't figure out. Watching the trailer for Laser Team, which definitely makes me laugh out loud, um, if this is a sure sign of the times as far as we're in January's doldrums, or if this is just comedy genius, I can't quite figure it out. <laughs> it's one or the other, maybe both. I just don't know. Um, this is a, I guess it's a straight to YouTube movie. Are I think we, it's, I think it it's
0: funded by YouTube. I think this is produced by it's YouTube. Not, isn't it's not. It? It's not. They're the distributor. Or they're the distributor.
1: YouTube Red. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube Red is distributing it. It's going to go live on their paid subscription service, um, on January twenty seventh. I don't believe it's getting a theatrical release, but this is laser team. This is a a film that was, uh, it's the first feature by a company called rooster teeth productions that I believe has done up to this point, a lot of like little shorts and and silly little things. And, uh, it it seems like a a fun little company. It's uh headed by Matt Hollum and Bernie Burns, the, uh, Matt directed laser team and Bernie wrote it. And, uh, Um, it looks like this, I don't know. This is just a totally silly movie. And this is the sort of movie that if I saw when I was 12 years old, this would be on my guilty pleasures, uh, you know, 30 years later. (laughs) Oh, heavily. Yes. (laughs) This is exactly what guilty pleasures are. Um, this is a film about four, I guess you would call them inept friends who there's, there's a, a, a thing that shoots out of the sky like a, a meteor, but it's it's like a I don't know a space rocket sort of thing that's got parts of a space outfit in it, and they each are like oh this is interesting, and they basically try these parts on, except it's really a suit designed for one person, but in you know in their case, one gets the helmet, another gets one arm, another gets the other arm, another gets the boots, and then they and they all get like special powers, but. <laughs> uh, to stop an alien force but they only get part of the powers because they each only have one of the things. And then of course they meet the guy who's supposed to be um, Earth's savior and uh, so he has to train these this uh, bumbling group to actually learn how to fight the uh, the aliens. And it just looks so silly. I just laugh at this trailer. It is total guilty pleasure. I, I may even call it guilty pleasure if I <laughs> watch it uh, today because it just looks so dumb but it makes me laugh. It it
0: it makes me laugh in a way that pixels didn't.
1: <laughs>
0: right. right. It really it feels like a dumb thing. The thing that that makes me nervous is uh, what was the uh, what was the one that the Knights of uh, the Badass. Uh, Oh, yeah, what was that one? It was another one that was that, that that made me laugh in kind of a similar way and turned out to to um, not be great. Uh, so this one, I love the conceit. I think it's a really funny conceit that these guys uh, each stupidly take one part of the suit and they can't get it off. I find that really amusing. it It addresses the simple sort of dopamine push uh, for me and from there on uh it, i'm gonna give it uh, i'll give it uh, the the um i'll give it a, a fair sharing i i think it is made easier for me knowing that it's not a theatrical release knowing that it's straight to youtube uh it means the bar is lower for me in in terms of whether or not i'm going to give it a give it a fair shake does that make sense
1: yeah, totally. I mean, we know it's going, uh, like, I guess we're calling it straight to video still. I'm not sure if we're calling it video. Yeah, but is that what we say? Straight, straight to streaming? Yeah.
0: Straight to stream. Yeah, straight S- to stream.
1: STS.
0: Uh, St- S- straight to digital. STD. STD. <laughs> <laughs> I love these STDs, Pete. <laughs> these STDs, they're changing the entire industry, Andy. Now we're talking about Boogie Nights again. Rocked by STD. <laughs> YouTube, Rob, right? this is good this is good material this is a plus material right here uh yes yes we'll be down at the club later <laughs> this week folks
1: anyway, anyway um when
0: does it so did you say when does it actually yeah, hit january std uh,
1: january january 27th this goes live with std okay all right
0: see when you commit to it and you say it often enough it, it's not funny it's just a thing
1: but it's that's to us, and then we can say it without laughing, and then yeah. it's funny to everyone else. That's right, because that's of how our, these things work.
0: It's because our our wit is so dry. Yes, yeah. That's how I'm comedy gonna, works. I'm going to move on to a, another comedy. <laughs> I think it's probably time. I'm going to. This one's <laughs> called Remember, uh, and uh, with the aid of fellow Auschwitz survivor and hand and a handwritten letter, an elderly man with dementia goes in search of the person responsible for the death of his family. This uh, uh, bit of. <laughs> This <laughs> bit of wit uh, comes from director Adam McGoyan and writer Benjamin August. Uh, it is um, uh, stars Christopher Plummer, Martin Landau, and Dean Norris. We've talked about Dean uh, fairly recently, right? Um, he was. Oh no, we didn't. It was uh, another Breaking Bad uh, alum. Anyhow, mm. uh, it this is uh, this is one of those films that i saw the trailer and i thought i just i need to see this the christopher Plummer. uh it starts as as sort of a moody old man film uh and it ends up as a looks like just a gritty incredible uh semi-violent kind of thriller uh about uh nazi redemption not redemption the nazi but redemption against uh those who were uh, nazis and yeah. i found myself really riveted by this trailer what'd you think
1: I completely agree. Everything about it just was uh, right up my alley. The story, the way the story unfolds, uh, even in just the trailer, it's just very, um, very simple. But it really kind of uh, builds this tension until you have this confrontation between Christopher Plummer's character and Dean Norris's character. And it just looks, it looks really interesting. It's, it's the sort of, uh, you know, kind of that political thriller that I really can enjoy.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This one, it's it's got kind of a strange release. Apparently, it was direct to video December seventeenth, but I can't find it anywhere. If I wanted to watch it, I don't feel like I could, um, and so I'm gonna have to just uh, wait. Uh, apparently, it gets a wider release uh, in February. Uh, February 12th in the U.S., but it has been uh, running the film festival since September of 2015, and um, so, you know, if you are, um, you know, if you're in a, a film festival country, Italy, Canada, Germany, uh, U.K., uh, Denmark, Netherlands, Argentina, you've probably already uh, had an opportunity to see it, and hopefully this wide release will um, will hit come February. So very That's much sure. looking forward to this one. I, you know, and Adam Goyan, we I, I didn't really talk that much about him but he's got some some hits and misses for me uh, and so I'm really excited to see this one. it looks like um, uh, something more in line with uh, the sweet hereafter than exotica so
1: yeah yeah he's a director that can uh, work really well sometimes for me um, his stuff is it, the way that it unfolds I find um, it can be very riveting and there's sometimes I, I'm not that into it but um, but I do like the way his his stories quietly unfold yes
0: that's uh, that's gonna be uh, where we are. Excellent. I changed my life today, Andy. What did you do? His name is Frank Galvin. Four cases in the last three years. He's lost them all. He drinks. This man's scared to death to go to court. Frankie, listen to me, cause I'm done with you. I got you a good case. It's a money maker. The archdiocese called up cause the case is coming to trial. This is our chance to get away. I to see that you get that chance. The court exists to give him a chance at justice. And is that what you're going to do? Maybe I can do something right. The verdict, Andy. Sidney Lumet directs uh, based on the screenplay by David Mamet, based on the book by Barry Reed.
1: I think it's Sidney it's Lumet and David Mamet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why do you hate?
1: Why do you hate? it's all love man it's all love
0: (laughs) okay uh and uh stars uh paul newman paulie to his friends (laughs) paulie the salad guy and uh charlotte rampling and jack warden oh jack warden Uh, and james mason yeah. James, the I'm not effing around. Da- <laughs> the Prince of Effing Darkness. Uh, and the absolutely incompetent Milo O'Shea, um, uh, <laughs> among other uh, others uh, in this film. I think uh, 1982 this film came out. Uh, we are doing this because we are revisiting the work of David Mamet as a writer, not a director, as we did last year. Um, and that is where I think we should start. Andy, what do you think of Mamet's work on this film?
1: I'm not having ever touched the book, like I know nothing about Barry Reed's original book um, that he, uh, uh, I think it's one of his only books, if not his only book that he wrote. I mean, he was a lawyer, so it makes sense that he uh, could delve into this world. My understanding of the book is that it is uh, it gets into this court case, it's fast, it's furious, and it really is a riveting read. Um, I don't think Mamet took that approach. I'm I not think- sure
0: he read it.
1: <laughs> well, even if he did, I don't <laughs> think he cared too much yeah. about it. And I think that, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think that the, uh, I mean, jumping forward, I think the ending of the film says a lot about um, the way that I, I see what he was doing here. The ending of the film, the way that the actual titular verdict is revealed is uh, Would you is say so...
0: titular like nine times tonight? I like
1: just like hearing you say it. Do you do you like that? Mm-hmm.
0: Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me again about titular things. You were saying.
1: I'm gonna start to say bravura again.
0: <laughs> oh, don't get my hopes up. <laughs>
1: the uh, the
0: titular verdict. <laughs> you can't even say that. No, you now. Now you can't.
1: No, now it's ruined. Yeah, it's gone, soiled, sullied. <laughs> the verdict. When we get to the verdict it is uh underplayed I think I mean it still is highlighted by a very dramatic camera move and obviously everybody in the courtroom is excited but for the most part that is relatively underplayed And what we really have here, what this film really seems to be focused on more so than the case, although, like I said, the the case is important, but this is really a character film. And I think what he did is really jump into Frank Garvin's character and focus more on the character through the film. Um, And I really, really like what he did here with the way that he tells this story, the way he reveals this character, the way that he uh, puts him through the paces and has him really delve into this this uh this case that he um you know that he initially is going to take and and just kind of like the ambulance chaser that he has been he's going to just kind of uh you know take take the deal that they offer and uh, but things change, and I, I love the transition that he makes in this film, and I love the fight that he puts up, and I love uh, the the struggle that he has, and I think that really to me seems to be the focus. Um, and I I don't know I, I like how Mamet uh, did that.
0: I so. I- I agree with you on all points except for the one you make about liking it. Uh, for me, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I think you're right about uh, about the approach, and it feels like Mamet was doing something different here. Like he was trying to do something different, and I'm I'm calling this film sort of interstitial Mamet. Right, it's it gives me some Mamet, but only a tease, only a taste throughout it. certain sequences where you get to see what uh, you know that biting David Mamet, pay, uh, you know, quick paced dialogue that that I remember from the plays that I love so much of Mamet from Sexual Perversity in Chicago from the Duck Variations from those 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 plays that I like so much and from the films that you know that we we've, uh, we've already talked about there is a voice of Mamet and here I don't hear it and and maybe that's a function of the adaptation I'm like you I haven't read the book uh, I have only read reviews of the book and you know uh, what they say about reviews of things uh, but but this lack of consistent Mamet punch I find, uh, it leaves me wanting and um, and and it also I think impacts pacing of the film this is a film with a lot of breathing room to it and sometimes that's good sometimes I want to to sort of breathe and take in the the atmosphere and and uh, take in the the work of the camera which we'll talk about and and sometimes it's just oh my god there are only so many shots that Newman's big blue eyes can save um, uh, for me in, in a way that that keeps me interested in the film and so um, you know in the respect of, of the, the overall execution of this as a mammoth construction, I struggle with it. Um, uh, and and it's, it doesn't leave me as satisfied as I had hoped.
1: Well, so let me ask you is that because you're expecting mammoth? I mean, it sounds like it is. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just taking it for what it is and going, wow. Mamet uh, turned something in very interesting here?
0: Well, and I think that's a really fair question. It's something I've been thinking about all day as I've been gearing up for this conversation, that I um, am having a, a difficult time separating those two things, because the last time I saw this film, and I think I told you last week, it was so long ago, I didn't remember it. Uh, you know, I know I've seen it, but I, but there was so much new in the film to me that that uh, that I just approached it with sort of new eyes. And and as a result of approaching it with new eyes, as a function of our David Mammoth series. I had trouble um, sort of separating that, um, my expectations of looking at this critically as a Mammoth piece. Um, and and so, yeah, I think there is certainly a function of that. But on the other side of that very same coin, um, if I'm going to see this film as a fan of David Mammoth, it's sort of hard to to take it at face value and pretend it isn't a David Mamet piece. That is a core part of the DNA of my desire to see the film and my desire to talk about the film. And so I think it's fair to to say that on on that level um, it, it fails to deliver the things I came to expect and loved.
1: Well, that's interesting. I, I'm curious to see how this particular series goes because other than Glenn, and Glenn Ross, which is based on one of his plays, I don't recall... The other films in the series really screaming, "Hey, David Mamet wrote me!" Uh, so I'm curious to see how how the other films fare for you.
0: Well, yes, me too. I'm actually not. I already know the answer to this, but I'm not going to talk about it. Well, Cause I want I, I want to draw
1: it out. I, I look forward to that. I certainly <laughs> I, I certainly think that the pacing is is going to be uh, faster in the other two films that aren't Glengarry Gary Glenn Ross, um, The Edge, and The Untouchables. But um, see, I, I don't know. I think that's really interesting because I, what I uh, you're right. I mean, it it's not mammoth speak throughout this. This is definitely not a mammoth speak uh, script. Um, what we do have here is really strong character writing. Really sparse writing. I really I I think it's really. He is very um, uh, focused on. The way that his construction is working, that is allowing for um, a simplicity in in uh, what he's giving us. It's there's a the sparseness in here that he's using as a as a tool to give us um, a lot of information without having to give us that that mammoth speak. I mean look at the intro for Frank. I think that's just a beautiful introduction with no words. We've got him playing um bill or not billiards, um pinball, pinball. Yeah. and you know having a drink and smoking and it's uh and then he kind of uh you know goes to a funeral home and hits up uh hits up people um bereaved who uh, to say hey here's my card in case you need to get in touch with me. Um, you know putting eye drops in spraying the breath spray I mean all these little things that we get as this character introduction that's just little things but we get so much about who this character is without having to do it through mammoth speak
0: yeah we, and we do and we get it through a, a, a fairly efficient uh, space of time in the opening sort of credit sequence right we see him playing the pinball and we see him hitting the brief and it goes about as well as one might expect uh, an attorney showing up to the funeral people he doesn't really know um, you know you see him paying off there's some of the backroom stuff kind of the grittiness of, of that that I do expect from Mammoth, the paying off of the funeral directors to be able to get into these things uh, and and I think that's um, I, I think that's that's good um, and and in terms of getting to know the character uh, you know I get to know the character that's I I do I get it I'm not you know i i this isn't paul newman in absence of malice right i i you know there there was there was something that i i feel like i was missing in watching him play the the character who is sort of um uh, the the down and out character like i'm not sure he was necessarily right for it and maybe that's another piece that that i i struggle with um wow yeah i know i was surprised at that too
1: uh, I I I think he's perfect in this role. I think this might be one of his the best performances he's ever, he's ever given.
0: It's a it's a three three and a half star performance for me. Wow! Not to to you know so I don't
1: bury he goes, the lead. He turns it up to eleven for me here. To
0: all the way to eleven. Is it because <laughs> he drinks the eggs?
1: Uh, that's exactly it. Yeah.
0: That was see those kinds of things are nice little nice little touches. They're the oddball touches that I do expect from Mammoth, and I think they're really nice. Um, and uh, you know, again, I can't I credit Mammoth to that, but maybe incorrectly. Uh, that may be a, a, a sort of uh, cool a element from the book, um, or from, cool hand, or from cool hand Look. or from Hand Look, Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so there are a couple of things here. I want to. I do want to talk about the, the big the big turn right. So the the case is it's a medical malpractice case. Uh, and for those who haven 't seen the movie or it 's been a long time uh, a, the a, this woman and her uh, husband show up uh, they 're handed to frank to to uh, paul newman 's character Frank Garvin uh, by one of his former partners and and colleagues uh, as a great case now. Uh, Newman's character is a uh, he's a deadbeat and a drunk at this point uh and he's he really is taking cases to settle them and he's limping along in a in a down and out terrible office and he's he's just trying to make ends meet but not even really trying very hard so this cherry case comes along medical malpractice case apparently the anesthesiologist and uh, uh you know, figurehead of medicine at this—at uh, at the Boston, Boston Hospital, uh, which is owned by the Church, the Archdiocese, um, is uh, that they gave this patient the wrong medicine, the wrong anesthesia, and the patient then uh, aspirated vomitus in her mask and was put into a coma state due to lack of oxygen. So that is—that's the case, and it's handed on this big platter to, to Paul Newman, and he is— um and and he is expected by everyone to take the case and settle it, take the money and be quiet. And so, uh, that's uh, does that a fair summary of the of the film? I think it is. All right. Yep. So the big turn, right? The turn for the character in terms of the narrative structure is he goes in to actually see quote the client. Uh, his client is the woman who is in a vegetative state, and uh, she's in a uh, the Sort of the vegetative state wing. What do you call that? There's a there's a name for it at a
1: hospital. Uh, the uh, VSW.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, the VSW. I'm uh, yes. I'm surprised I'd forgotten that. Uh, <laughs> he goes in and he sits down. And he starts taking pictures of her, and that's the moment. And we have this. I I think it's ultimately fairly heavy handed, but it's this this moment of him emoting on the bed as he realizes. Um, and we get to realize with him that there is no chance in hell he is going to settle that he's going to buck everybody's expectation of him
1: and he's going to try the case and see i don't I don't know why you call that heavy handed I think it is it's so beautiful in its simplicity there's like nothing heavy about it it's just it's just it's 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 so light <laughs> and, <laughs> There is
0: something to me about the the cuts between the Polaroid camera and uh, not that that in and of itself is a is a thing that screams heaviness to me, <laughs> but mostly of his of the way Newman plays this, the way he plays it, slumping down in the you know in he the sits the chair. and stares, he and... slumps, he slumps and throws <laughs> his limbs around akimbo. Uh, I I find his performance a little much for me here. I'm not saying it's wow. uh, a lot
1: much, a little much. It's a little much. You would have voted for Gandhi in 1982, wouldn't you? <laughs> You're the reason that Gandhi won. Yes, I would have. I would absolutely would have voted for Gandhi.
0: Sure, it's absolutely. You didn't vote for Gandhi.
1: Nope.
0: Ugh. Yeah, I'll bet you step on worms that drop that dr- are drying up on the concrete too. Yep. I pick every one of them up. Give them I life. Bet you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, then then we get the first big obstacle and this is the one where this is this is Gruber this is the one you need to explain to me so Gruber is another a, a fellow uh, uh, uh he's a doctor he's a fellow physician uh, on the surgery staff and he happens to know apparently that these two doctors uh involved in the case uh changed things and he says murdered this girl and then he he's he says you know meet me back here on on uh, Tuesday night at seven o'clock in the gym, and we I'll take give you my deposition. I'll tell you what I'm what I'm doing, and then I'll come to court and support you because I want to do this. I want to help, and then he disappears.
1: Right now, that's uh, go ahead. What I mean? What do you need explained? Why does he disappear? <laughs>
0: I know why he
1: disappears. You just don't like that he disappears.
0: It's not even that I don't like that it that he disappears. It's that it's not clear who is responsible for him disappearing, and I think
1: that's important. I think it is clear. I think he says, you know, they got to him, and I think that's all we needed to know.
0: I don't think we know that, and the reason I have trouble with this is because we know that James Mason and his team, Concanon, they are they they are. Uh, they are referred to as the what is he, what is he called the, uh, Satan,
1: the Prince of Effing the Darkness, Prince
0: of Effing Darkness, right? He says, "Oh, he's the Prince of Effing Darkness." Well, that's kind of an offhanded comment when you look at the at at how the Prince of Effing Darkness, right? Mason's character, can, can Canon is actually portrayed. He's portrayed as a very well organized um, and competent. Uh, uh, partner at this law firm, and he uh, has he builds a good case. Right there's nothing that he does explicitly that screams to me of evil. He screams to me as a competent defense, right there. So there's nothing in what we see on screen of Concanon and his team that indicates that he would go and shelve a potential witness by sending him to the to the Bahamas right it it's just uh, it, it feels to me out of out of context uh, or not well enough supported by evil deeds or evil language or whatever uh, by the defense team that just is not a believable thing and i think because i don't believe it the rest of their the defense sort of starts to fall apart
1: I don't know. I feel like we're watching totally different films because I feel like he plays it in such a way that shows that he's kind of like, he's playing it like he's the good guy. But I feel like there's a whole level going on under what he's doing. His subtext through all of it, I think is, is, it's not like he's malicious. It's just that he is dead set on winning no matter what the cost and he's going to make things happen. And and I get that impression from him. I mean, he doesn't say let's you know let's get this doctor and make sure that he's not around. But he's always asking every time they have okay. Well, who are they talking to now? Oh, it's this nurse. Uh, who are they talking to now? Like he's he's always in on that stuff, and he, and he's very aware as to what Galvin is doing, ready to try to you know put the block blocks up so that uh, Galvin can't move forward because he is going to do everything he can in his power to ensure that his uh, very well-off uh, uh, doctors uh, succeed. And I, I feel that it's all there.
0: Well and, and I, I, I definitely I mean I hear you and I think that you know go in your favor uh, is the, the one element that is well it's it's a frustrating character piece for me but it's uh, it's the one element that really made me mad and at this otherwise organized and competent defense i feel like i'm the guy who thinks that the protagonist of karate kid is william zabka you know i really like that's not <laughs> what i'm trying to come at here um but but the the big reversal uh when we when it is revealed that laura this former sympathetic character um who is you know, that he meets naturally in a bar, seemingly uh, innocently in a bar, it turns out that she's a conspirator with, with Kunkanon, that she's on his another, payroll.
1: Another reason that says, hey, Kunkanon yeah. is the Prince of Effing Darkness. Y- yes.
0: No, I mean, and that, that's, that, that I, I get. And, and, you know, I, I think you could, I think you could make a competent case. that <laughs> <laughs> that, that maybe, but this this Gruber thing is still really frustrating to me because it's never it it's not that I want it to be uh, handed to me on a silver platter, but it is that uh, I, I feel like it came at a point in the film that I wasn't uh, where they didn't have enough uh, uh, they didn't have enough support for me to to believe it to buy it, um, and James Mason, frankly, is a, a really nice grandpa. And I had a hard time <laughs> believing that he was a bad guy. Uh, so, oh, that's
1: so funny. That is so funny. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I get your, I get what you're saying.
0: So, I think that there are some pieces that, uh, that, that definitely for me need feel unfulfilled and I think that you know even the stuff that's really great and there's some really wonderful courtroom uh, bits the the final obstacle is awesome that the this legal technicality that gets Costello's testimony stricken from the record that uh, oh, you so know painful it is incredibly painful she comes in she she bears her soul this thing that she has been carrying around for four years that in fact the the uh, you know chief of medicine asked her to Change uh, a one to a nine on the when, how many hours ago did the patient last eat, so that he could get, uh, he could be cleared after um, five uh, difficult deliveries. Um, In this one, it was just, it was incredibly frustrating, but the fact that they wouldn't accept a photocopy uh, that she had kept uh, of this particular. Form that shows the original was just a one hour it was it's painful. It was just painful to watch. That uh, so really is. That was great, and and then you know the 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 film sort of ends and we are left with a jury that um you know we can talk about the court uh, as a a symbol of the people's forum but we're we're left with these um pesky kind of this pesky subplot of of Laura in the in the close of the film i know you wanted to talk about that but what happens what happens to Laura and
1: and uh, frank and uh, and what's well, an how interesting work it's an interesting, it's an interesting, way to interesting. End. Yeah, it is a really interesting way to end. I think it's I think it's better than what Mamet originally did with the script where he actually ended it with the um the uh jurors leaving the room and that was the end of the film. And we never found out what the actual verdict was in a film called The Verdict. <laughs> That's a that feels uh... like a, a a Mamet ploy to me that uh you know he's trying to make a statement. Um I am so glad uh, um that uh the producers uh our old pal Dick Zanuck and his partner David Brown who produced this um I'm glad that they were uh, smart enough to say you have to have a verdict in a film called The Verdict.
0: <laughs> yes, you do. Uh,
1: it created quite a uh quite a bit of uh screenplay uh bouncing around because they told him that, and he uh, got mad and, and left, and so they had a bunch of other writers come in and work on it, and and none of it really took. It went through a number of hands, uh, different actors, uh, directors trying to kind of figure out what they could do with it, and it never really worked, and then they gave it to uh, uh, Sidney Lumet, who said, this is great, but hey, my my pal uh, David Mamet said that he wrote it, and I had read his version. I'd love to go back to that version, and they said, "But we can't. There's no ending." He said, "No, no, no. I'll, I'll make him do an ending." And so they came up with an ending, which I think works. It, I mean, it, it does give you a conclusion, and I think that that's important. It is just very strange how it's, it's very abrupt. It's very. Uh, there's no frills, no music. There's no big celebratory denouement there's it's it's not even it doesn't end up really even being the focus it's it really ends up um i mean we do have the focus of the ending and we have like i said that masterful boom down shot as the verdict is read which i swear i saw that i have seen that shot like for years until i'd actually seen this movie that was the only thing i knew about this movie was (laughs) this is the movie with that great boom shot coming down on on paul newman at at the table Yes, and that was like all all I knew of this film. It's a very kind of iconic courtroom shot, and um and that happens, and you know everybody celebrates, and then all of a sudden he's walking out. One of the security guards says, uh, "Hey, good job, there, Frank," and then uh, and then he has this little kind of a uh, he sees Laura across the uh, across the uh, foyer, and they kind of look at each other. He walks away. He turns back, and she's gone, and it's and then the film ends. And it's it's a it's a really interesting film and I think that that kind of helps kind of close the the door on the relationship there because we ha- we already had that great scene where she's kind of broken already having been discovered by him. She tries to call, he doesn't answer. He comes close to answering but doesn't. I think that's a great scene. And then I think that the the looking at each other is a is a is a nice last moment where she kind of it's almost like you know, she's guilty, she's in a way, kind of there as a way of apologizing, but she also leaves, knowing that it can never be. Uh, there, there's no way that she can get back into this relationship. That maybe she actually felt a little more for him, um, and this—the fact that she was, you know, a conspirator with Concanon—kind uh, of ruined all that. It's a—it's a really interesting ending to the film. Um, it is very abrupt, but um, it works. And so it's—it's it's one of those weird endings where I'm like, I like it. I think it works really well. But I don't end up celebrating with them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think you, I mean, you're, you're leaving out the very, very last shot, which is again of Frank and, and Laura as she's calling him. She is, has a sleeping mask and is dead. a serious drinking problem. <laughs> uh and uh, and she calls him and he just lets the phone ring and and doesn't uh answer it and we're left to wonder um does he know it's her is he sure it's her or is he just really done talking to people after this big win and and so that's Their relationship, the status of their relationship, is left up in the air, and as frustrating as that is for me, it's only mildly frustrating. Particularly compared with how mad I would have been had he let the jury walk out of the room and never come back. Um, Oh yeah. One of the things that I think is is really interesting when you look at the sort of the symbols of success in this film. You know, um, you get the he he goes to to court, and we I I mentioned the courtroom as a, a symbol of kind of the people's forum. It ends up being kind of a funny setup that that the way... The mechanics of his relationships with the judge, with Concanon, which ends up being not really much of a mechanic at all, uh, and with the jury, is that really we should probably have no faith in the system at all, uh, that he should have settled. Everybody is mad at him for not settling. Most of all, the family themselves who says, you know, we should just get us the stinking money. You walked away from 210 grand. Get us the money. Uh, And he says, no. He's the only one who has faith in the... in the firmament that is uh, the the political or the the justice system, and yet the very last thing the the only bit of celebration that we get on this film is assigning a dollar figure to this win that that justice is somehow ascribed by a dollar figure and that ends up being the big lesson of the verdict uh, as we see you know these close ups on the judge and on cancannon and on Towers, whatever his name was, the Doctor and on Frank himself. As the juror is reading, we have this voiceover: uh, "Judge, are there any limits to how much we can ascribe? You know, to, how, the the um, uh, the actual monetary um, uh, penalty that we're going to ascribe this loss. I mean, we we know that the hospital is guilty, but we want to charge them much bigger than." Um, than the merits or than the the guidelines would allow, right? Right. And and the judge says, no, yeah, you can. You, there are no limits on on any of this. So so now what the mystery that we're left with is, oh my God, these guys are going to get handed a massive ticket, um, uh, for what happened. And it turns out, yeah, it is all about the money. Um, and I thought that was an interesting way, kind of a an interesting way to end it. I mean, that ends up being the kind of the the uh, more sort of activist screenwriting of of uh, Mamet that I yeah that, that I maybe that,
1: expect that felt Mammoth. yeah that felt very Mamet and and that, that he focused on that yeah. very
0: heavy I mean that was a very heavy and as you said I mean it's made so much the heavier because it's a message that's delivered over a very short period of the film and then the film ends right so that's it that's what I that's, that's what I have so the judge can you just tell me did you like the judge was he just the, the if I
1: if I ever even even going to like a traffic court if I ever have this judge I will just throw in the towel I mean geez what the, a just a despicable person
0: the worst <sighs> the worst Judge Hoyle played by Milo O'Shea he's just terrible at every step of the way he's he is in the way uh, he is uh, political and just diabolical he's just yeah very.
1: Barry Reed, who wrote the book, did say, I, I believe, that um, he, the, that character, he said it's unfortunate, but there are a number of judges out there who are like this, which really doesn't doesn't bode well for our legal system.
0: It's pretty much him and Judge Smales. That's my experience. <laughs> Just <laughs> sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. <laughs> uh, so... Oh uh anyhow i that's those are my um my problems with the with
1: the film in probably too many words (laughs) probably too many words you know another it's not a problem but it's it's one of those moments that i feel like there must have been more in the book and um because in the in the movie it's definitely uh, uh dr Marks, the second doctor is definitely given the short shrift There's nothing about him other than he's like the second doctor in the case that they're. Do we uh, ever actually see him? We only see him at the end. uh, Unless I'm forgetting, we only see him at the end when they're reading the the names, saying that they find them guilty. We uh, when they say his name, they cut to a guy. I'm like, oh, so that's who the other doctor is. (laughs) Oh jeez, yeah,
0: yeah. I remember they mentioned him once early on, and that was that's pretty much it. Yeah, I I mean,
1: I feel like they, I mean, I think it was smart focusing on one doctor so that we kind of got a sense of who they, who kind of the doctors, you know, what they were like, giving us that one person to hate. Um, Having two doctors in may have muddied it, but then I think you could also have just said, well, let's just, let's just write it as just one doctor, you know. Yeah, yeah. One of those things.
0: Probably would have been more efficient to do that. Probably. And that's an interesting license that he didn't that he chose not to take in the adaptation. I think that's fascinating. Uh makes me wonder if stuff was cut um after it was shot.
1: Yeah, it does make me wonder if there are some Dr. Mark scenes laying on the editing room yeah. floor. Yeah. We'll never know.
0: Uh so let's see. Uh let's talk about the camera because you you mentioned the big boom. Right. And you're yeah. right, it's a fantastic shot, but oh my goodness, the his closing arguments shot ends up being, the, you know, vastly
1: the more artful, for me. Uh, it's Andre uh cinematography here. I mean, he 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 and Sidney Lumet really chose to do a lot of long takes, and that is one of them. And it's it, you're right; it's just an inspired, beautiful, beautiful shot.
0: Can you? I mean, how would you like to be the guy on focus? Seriously. Oh my goodness! That is so long, and it goes so deep, and I, man, I watched it over and over again, looking for it to fall out of focus as they pushed in on this, and it almost feels like a, like a, uh, like a crop, like what you could do on a crop with a really, really like if you're shooting in 4K today, I could achieve that by cropping down to 19 or 10, 1920 by 1080. Like that's the kind of of what I would ex- expect for this. Just, just don't even move the lens, and they did it <laughs> moving the lens, and I think that is a uh, it, it was just a beautiful piece of just mechanical artwork.
1: Well, and I can't even remember how deep the uh, the focus was. Was it uh, was it pretty deep? I feel like. There was some uh, some out of focus in the people behind him.
0: Yeah, there there was a little bit, but on him, so, yeah. on his eyes, right, maintaining right. focus he, on his eyeballs oh, yeah. was great.
1: Yeah, it really was, and it it had to be. I mean, it's it's uh, an important speech, and it's uh, it is delivered well, and yeah, the camera work had to match, and uh, I think that uh, Bart Kawiak did a solid solid job here, and
0: and the light uh, across the group of people, that we see such a beautiful uh, kind of expanse of the courtroom and the sort of hard light that is uh, just sort of striping across him uh, and uh, just creating a just beautiful shadowscape in the background. I thought it was just great. And maybe it's because you're right. I've seen the big boom shot in like every great films trailer, Right. um, that this one really stood out.
1: Right, right. And did you notice Bruce Willis in the background?
0: No. He's sitting there. I can't there. believe that.
1: He's right behind um the the husband and wife. Oh jeez. Back when he was a struggling actor.
0: I'm, I am I yeah, no, I did not uh I did not notice that.
1: That's a riot. Pretty funny. No, it's uh it's a beautiful shot. And I, but I think uh Bart Kowiak, I mean his his camera work all through the film, I think is rock solid. The way that he takes this chiaroscuro um, light and shadow all through the film, the way he really plays with that, I think is really strong. I love how he plays with that in particular with Laura and how um how in scenes with her, there are some just beautiful scenes where she is completely obscured. she is like a shadow figure in the scene, and on you know subsequent viewings, when you know kind of that she is the Um, she is the tool of Concanon, it is a really interesting way to shoot those scenes. And I love that they really played with that here. Yeah, I think so too.
0: Anyhow, so did did you want to say anything more about uh, Zanuck and Brown?
1: Just that, uh, yeah, this was, um, they're just kind of producing partners, not really working for Fox uh, directly, at least uh, Zanuck wasn't kind of the head of it as he was earlier on. He was just kind of an independent producer with David Brown. Um, And uh, just making great stuff. And I think, again, proving uh, very smartly that they know how to put together a really solid project, despite what you think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't hate this movie. I just don't like it as much as you. That's all I'm saying.
1: That's all right. That's okay.
0: Anybody else you want to talk about in particular? We've talked about Paul Newman. We've talked a little bit about Charlotte Rampling.
1: I like uh, Charlotte Rampling quite a bit. She's she's a mysterious character here, and um, I never quite. I, I think she works well. It's an interesting, it's an interesting character because I always find her mysterious. And I wonder if that is the intention, where I'm meant to always find her mysterious so that when the reveal happens, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess it makes sense, because she's always been kind of mysterious. It's not like Jack Warden all of a sudden turns out to be Kunkanon's right-hand man or anything like that, you know? Right. So I think that's an interesting an interesting choice to play that with her. And I don't know if that's uh, just the way that she was uh, directed or the way that she wanted to perform it, or if that's how it was in the script, but... Um, Um, But I like it. And, uh, you know, Charlotte Rampling, I mean, she's uh, still out there acting. She's in, what is it, 45 years that I think is uh, quite a bit of talk right now that she might get an Oscar nomination this year.
0: She's, yeah, she's kind of... uh... Kind of amazing when you look at some of the films that she's she's a part of right now. I mean, she's uh, in the unfinished uh, new Zachary Quinto uh, film, Passage to Mars, that's coming out this year, which uh, you can bet is on my trailer list uh, as soon as we see one. But it's it's amazing um, that she's doing some of the films she's doing. She did a short, a Ghost Recon short. Ghost Recon with Charlotte Rampling? <laughs> uh wow. really uh, broad uh, range that this uh, that that she is uh, taking on these projects and and just fantastic talent i like that she has that sort of femme fatale vibe in this film you know i mean it's you just as easy to see her in a harsh black and white with a really wide brimmed hat cutting across her face and, and, yeah, right. and you know as you are to see her in that sort of um, late 70s early 80s kind of Color tone, um, but I I thought she was she was great to watch. Even though I finished her, I, I felt like her role's a little bit unfinished.
1: She's uh yeah she's a great actress who um I I feel like it's like I I'm like gosh I don't feel like I've seen that much of her, but then I look through her credits, I'm like wow I've seen a lot You've more of a her lot, work than yeah. I realize. The one film that always stands out for me is Swimming Pool, which she did um, twelve years ago, and uh, that was a really interesting film. I really liked that one quite a bit. But, um, gosh, I mean, yeah, she's all over the place. Even Cars 2. She was a narrator in Cars 2. That is crazy. That <laughs> is crazy.
0: I didn't catch that one. That's amazing.
1: That so funny. Wow. Uh, who else? Uh, we've talked about Jack Warden before. Um, he's just always one of my favorites. And he's just fantastic here. Just love him.
0: He's He is great here. I mean, he's just... His opening speech, that is Mammoth. Like, his opening uh, invective to, to Frank uh, as he... You know, tells him that he's he's completely lost patience. Uh, is is one of the great speeches of this film. You know, I mean, his just delivery is so exhausted, and it it really sets the tone, I think, so well. As he finds Frank, you know, with a cut on his face, and he's you know falling well, down in the in the and, uh, hallway.
1: And, and what I love about that speech is it's it's a fantastic way to get a lot of exposition out about the case yes like we learn a lot about what's going on and this case and everything as he's basically berating frank for for being a drunk and and screwing everything up you know he's gave it gave it to him 18 months ago and he's has a meeting with them tomorrow like all this stuff comes out in this little argument with him and i was just like gosh that's just so great i love how he put that together
0: me too uh and uh, let's see. How about um, uh, Sidney Lumet?
1: Lumet. 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 Uh, yeah, he's a great director. I really enjoy uh, Lumet. We've talked about him. Uh, what do we talk about of his network? Oh, of course. Yeah. Duh. Can't believe yeah. that I. And and that. that's
0: that's an interesting thing. Like I. <laughs> I really, uh, I really obviously Network is is our number one film all time Four years has not been unseated, right? Uh, and and yet I I don't like this film as much as I like Network. How's that? Is that a surprise? <laughs> it's not spoiler. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Uh, I I like a lot of Sidney Lumet's uh work. This one though, you know, I I read that uh, Arthur Hiller uh had at one point been slated to direct this film, and and. I, I did honestly, even as much as we found ourselves not uh, equally thrilled with the hospital, um, I did find myself wondering if I would have liked his touch on this film, Hiller's touch on this film, uh, more than I liked uh, Lumet's, uh, just as something different. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, uh, but there was something about the grittiness of the hospital uh, that I did really appreciate. And um, and and that I found I was I, I was missing
1: here. Yes, it's, so, it's just so funny hearing you say things like that because I feel there's there's so much grittiness in the character study here and that I think it works so well. So um, I don't know. I I love the patience that Sydney Lamette took with with the storytelling here I love the way he approached it. He kind of went about the directing I think the same way that uh, Mamet went about the writing and really focused on kind of a sparse feel to it. And even the music, uh, you know the music is in there but it's uh, sparse. It's not all over the place. And I think that it was very sharp directing and I am glad that Lumet directed it not uh, Arthur Hiller. I you
0: know, I, uh, you know, what are you going to do? He didn't He didn't direct it. it's a what if <laughs> right, uh, and, right, right. and I'm not saying that that, that uh, you know Sydney isn't one of the greatest of the time, um, but there is something about the hospital's m- much more frenetic pace that I found myself really missing. in those open uh, expanses of this film, the the large breathable areas of the verdict, I thought, gosh, I wonder if Arthur Hiller would compress some things for me a little bit. Uh, yeah. And uh, so there you go. there you go. Production design, though uh, this gets—I—I I had originally made my notes around this uh, with uh, uh, uh camera, uh, just how well uh, he showcases locations in this film. Uh, because my goodness, the courts are beautiful. His office is as—that's di- just gross and dilapidated. It is as it is.
1: It's beautiful. Well, I think that's and it's a very smart uh, way to kind of. Um telegraph a lot about the story you know we've got frank coming from this you know dilapidated space going into these they all are just kind of majestic monumental spaces whether it's the the courts or the hospitals or the or the church offices Everything seems so ornate and grand, and uh, here he is this this guy who's this, this bottom feeder, this ambulance chaser. I think it's uh, it's really smart, and I love the color palette. It's it's all very brown, a lot of uh, autumn colors, yellows, uh, kind of auburn sorts of colors. Um, Lumet said, you know, it was really a story about Frank. Looking or kind of stuck in the past, you know, he still has a picture of his ex-wife up by his bed. Um, he's kind of, you know, because of the the situation that happened in the past about uh, when he almost got disbarred, he's kind of you know stuck on all of that, and he's not moving forward in his life. And and Lumet wanted to capture that with this color palette, and I think it's it's brilliant the way that he plays it all across the screen. Um, throughout the film, it really just highlights uh, everything in the story, and it, it tells a lot about uh, who this man is and what we're uh, seeing in the, him do in this in this story.
0: That is one of the exercises I think where the production design and the camera, um, uh, and uh, you know, really highlight that this character, that Newman's character, doesn't really belong anywhere right? I mean, he doesn't belong at home. He's still got his ex-wife on his table at home. He doesn't belong in his office. It's fallen apart. He doesn't belong in court. He's definitely too shabby to be in court. He's always late for everything. Like, it's just, uh, it, it's a use of sort of visual contrast that I think works really, really well. Absolutely. So there you go. I like, I like something a lot. I, I like that you like that. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have on your list? Anything? I think that's it. I like that. Look at that. We ended at the same time
1: fantastic
0: well done uh how'd it do
1: uh this film did oh uh, well it was uh it was well received it received five oscar nominations best picture best director best uh, actor paul newman best supporting actor james mason and uh best adapted screenplay david Mamet. didn't win any um gandhi was the big film of 1982 and uh pretty much uh, plowed through everything else that year and uh, you know I haven't seen Gandhi in a very long time. I feel like I need to revisit it before I really can commit to saying that Paul Newman was robbed um, because that Ben Kingsley is pretty pretty spectacular. He
0: was stunning in that movie.
1: I, I agree. I just haven't seen it in forever. So I, I feel I need... To, I, I owe it to that movie again before I really commit to saying anything. And, and you know... It's in all likelihood, I would still say Ben Kingsley deserved it because he, you know, he did really kind of become Gandhi for that film. But um, man, I I really think Paul Newman was just rock solid here. He actually. Um, because he didn't win, I think it was the very next year that they gave him kind of an honorary Oscar, because I think this was his fifth nomination and he hadn't won. And then the very next year he ended up winning an Oscar for The Color of Money. So it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like here, we feel guilty for not ever giving you one. Oh, hey, you were really good in that movie and you won one anyway, but.
0: You probably need to see Gandhi again for this question too, but comparing
1: Richard Attenborough to Sidney Lumet. Hmm. I need to, uh, I need to, gosh, I just don't remember Gandhi that well. Mm. I remember liking it. I remember, I. I gosh, I just, I, I feel like it was so much a biopic. I have a hard time stepping away from that to say, how was it as a film?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, 1982 was full of biopics, right? Tootsie and E.T., of my favorite D- biopics. Dust Boot. It's a huge biopic.
1: <laughs> Big year, biopics. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the verdict cost $16 million to make. It ended up making, uh, and that's about $38.5 million in today's dollars. So, you know, it was a decent budget for a little courtroom drama. Ended up making about uh, $54 million, which is about 130 So, yeah, it did pretty well for itself. Ended up making about 700000 per finished minute.
0: All right. So, you know. It didn't thanks to my box office dollars, but it did do pretty well. It did
1: pretty well for itself, yes I, indeed.
0: I say we uh we, we run the gauntlet, Andy. Let's rank it. Let's do it. Head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel and uh you know, put on your goggles because the fireworks are gonna fly. Oh dear. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you should start to start up your account there, and and go ahead and start with this film, and let's see uh, it, how it holds up as as you uh, rank the rest of our films along with us, and and let us know how it goes.
1: All right, the verdict, or Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, brother, where art thou? I'll say, Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh well, good, we're off to a good you start. thought we were going to start. I did. Fighting right I was ready. <laughs> <gate>. <laughs> I heard you put those gloves on. I did. The verdict, or the Sandlot? I will definitely say The Verdict.
0: I'll say The Verdict, too.
1: All right. The Verdict, or Only Angels Have Wings. The Verdict.
0: Uh, I will say The Verdict as well.
1: All right. The Verdict, or A League of Their Own.
0: <sighs> um, I You know, this is going to be one that I am inclined to say A League of Their Own, uh, but uh, I'll give it to The Verdict if you feel strongly about it.
1: Gosh, you're putting it all on me now. I'm going to see A League of Their Own, and it may just be the Tom Hanksiness of it, um, but I, you know, it's definitely a, a fun film to watch. So You see well, what happened there?
0: I knew I didn't have anything
1: to worry about. I know. I know. <laughs> you used me. <laughs> <laughs> the Verdict or 500 Days of Summer? 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, I'll say 500 Days of Summer. It's going exceedingly well so far, Andy. See, you're not having a hard time here yet. The Verdict or The Deer Hunter? I will say the verdict.
0: Mm. I uh I will also say the verdict, I think.
1: Wow. I know. I didn't expect that. I, I thought didn't... that was going to be our fight. I didn't either. <laughs> the uh... verdict or the verdict or field of dreams. Are you kidding? I'll say field field of dreams. Are you
0: kidding? <laughs> this <laughs> this is the worst this puts me in possibly the worst position ever (laughs) field of dreams because now what's going to happen is i would naturally uh i i have to do rock paper scissors (laughs) in support of a film just because of two by four
1: that is so funny so funny all right ready unbelievable
0: are you making me support the verdict you're supposed to be the verdict
1: guy I love the verdict. I also love Field of Dreams. These are two films I love, but I just, uh, I love Field of Dreams more.
0: Here's the thing. I can't win. (laughs) Let's do it. This is great. Let's do this. All right.
1: One, two, two, three, three, rock. Rock.
0: One, two, three, three, scissors.
1: Oh, look at that. Field of Dreams won. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the verdict is that the verdict is now one thirty two out of two eighteen
0: okay fine <laughs> <laughs> Have it your way That's the worst <laughs> what was the one that what was the one that i I said it was better that I was surprised myself which film was that uh just now it was right before that the deer hunter deer hunter, okay, yeah. so where did we rank the deer hunter? I'm so. curious what I ranked that. Uh, well, let's see. The Deer Hunter. So I does search work oh, a search in this. Oh, a little farther cool. ago. This was uh, great it was August.
1: podcasting.
0: People love August. This.
1: Yeah, August nineteenth.
0: I'm gonna do a. I'm gonna
1: create a whole show. I was not doing individual star ratings at the time.
0: All right. Yeah. Wow. Because I mean, you know, The Deer Hunter ended up being a. I don't even know. How do you even tell?
1: Well, well we, ra- we ranked it four and a half stars. We ranked that so four and a half stars. So we both liked that one we quite did. a bit.
0: We did. And, and I did. I liked that quite a bit. Yeah. I think I, uh, yeah. Boy, well,
1: here's belt. the thing that you don't have to worry about. The verdict is 132. The deer hunter is 133. So they're they're right next to each other. So it's not like it's like drastically far above the deer hunter.
0: Yeah. No, that's fair. 132,
1: 133.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: Literally splitting hairs. Yes. Figuratively Quite so. speaking.
0: Quite so. All right. <laughs> Literally, we're figuratively splitting errors. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, what is our our star rating on this one? I'm at four and a half on this one. See, I, 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 I really came love into it. this thinking it was going to be a solid three. I, I'll give it a three and a half.
1: All right. So, we'll make it four. There you go. There it is.
0: All right. Fair enough. Where do we go from
1: here? Well, as I alluded, we are going to be uh, jumping forward a few years to uh, talk about The Untouchables.
0: Yeah, I like that one because it explains so clearly what to do if they send one of yours to the hospital. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh,
1: Speaking of Mammoth at his very best. Uh, His very best non-Mammoth speak. I don't think it's very mammoth speaky. Is it? Is it, is it mammothish? You think so? Uh, there's some mammoth. This is why I'm excited to watch it again because oh. I, I I don't remember that much mammothishness. Mammothish. I still think it.
0: <laughs> I still think that in terms of the mammetification of a screenplay, it is interstitial mammoth. Uh, in the yes. Untouchables. I just like it better. Spoiler. Well, I look forward to talking about it next week. The other thing we have coming next week is our uh, the next uh, TNR short, um, which I'm very excited to launch. So be on the lookout for that. Oh yeah, who's uh, that our, with? A second TNR short. This is uh, we we're doing a little bit. I think it's a series that's probably going to run uh, on and off throughout 2016. Uh, we got very excited uh, talking to the guys behind Trailer Town uh, about you know why they decided it was time for them to start a, a website devoted to trailers, and that got us thinking. Wow. How cool is it that there are so many people with great websites devoted to film, and some in really unique uh, areas? And so we decided that we're going to reach out to the people behind our very favorite film sites and get the backstory there for a series on TNR Shorts. So that'll be coming. We're going to start that next week, and, and uh, it'll run until we run out of our very favorite uh, film sites. How about that? That's not committal. How- <laughs> not committal enough. <laughs> that's how we like to do it. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, uh, make, make sure to be on lookout. Update your feeds, and uh, I, I think that's it. So while you're doing that, I'm gonna go to bed.
1: All right, go play some pinball.
0: Amazon doth deliver once again, Andrew. Oh, it does. I've got a one star from nice. uh, uh, Chad who says, This does not hold up at all. I have no idea why this movie is rated so high and so fondly remembered. I'm a massive fan of courtroom films, especially those done by John Grisham, <laughs> the novelist. <laughs> I like the strategy involved and learning how our legal system operates. You will find none of that here. This is more about the character of the lawyer and less about the courtroom drama. I was very bored during this movie. Maybe it was good in its time, but it doesn't hold up at all these days with Grisham's courtroom movies out there. <laughs> so
1: I don't even have anything to say to that one.
0: I uh yeah
1: other than I love it <laughs>
0: am, I, am I right now that's oh, not yeah. it's not entirely fair to to joke uh you know too much about um uh, too much about that he, he grisham has is a producer of films and television and uh but I don't think I don't think he actually has scripted anything
1: well, and you? even if he did, I I, oh, I think two thousand four is Mickey. Oh, there you go.
0: Yeah, He's scripted Mickey. I,
1: I but I still think that uh, even if you take the fact out that Grisham hasn't really written anything, uh, well, any screenplays for the most part, it's. Uh, I think it's funny to call uh his books um <laughs> John a, John Grisham the, films, or just the way to learn about how the legal system operates. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not quite sure if the firm is exactly what's going on, out
0: there. right? <laughs> Everything I learned
1: <laughs> about
0: the legal system, I learned from Denzel in the Pelican oh.
1: Brief. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh well, I've got a one star also by June B, who says poor rendition of the book. I had read the book. This goes into what we were saying earlier. I had read the book before watching the movie, and the movie stunk quite frankly almost like almost a play on words there the book <laughs> moved along at breakneck pace the movie dragged interminably trying to show what a down and out drunk the lawyer paul newman was ambling around with no direction the book got down to brass tacks and took you on a whirlwind law case just banging home the facts. I can't believe they could screw up a screenplay so badly. No traction, no pace, except slow and boring, and no interest. I also did not like the woman who played the lead. In the book, she was very bright. The one in the movie just stands around looking blah. It was painful to sit through. Read the book.
0: There you go. So there you go. Read the book. Tell the the (laughs) truth. Read the book. Oh.